thank you for taking time to listen to God's word today. We hope this sermon is blessing to you and your family. This morning I have a very important uh, message for all of us. And I believe it's important because it's a message for the season. As you turn on the news, you will all see that there is a lot of things that is going on in the world, many people going through pain and suffering. And what I want to speak to you this morning is actually an invitation, it's actually a call for the church and for the believers to respond to what is happening in the world. Because if we don't respond to what is happening in the world, if we don't respond through prayer in, and, and, for, and petition and intercession, if we don't do that, who else will? Because if you look at what is happening in the world, if you look at what is happening in your own homes, if you look at what is happening in your own life, there is only one response that I can have and a response that we can all unite in is the response of prayer. Prayer is the basic response that a Christian should have when we see suffering, when we see you know, turmoil across the world, when we see that things are not going well for many people across the world, we need to respond. And church this morning, I am calling all of us to respond. And I'm going to take a very short time this morning to just to teach you on how to respond to the suffering. This morning, the title of my message is how to pray for the persecuted. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. How to pray for the persecuted. There are various faces in persecution. There are various faces in perse persecution. You see, people have gone through uh, serious persecution. If you look at the history of the church, that many people have gone through very serious persecution. In fact, starting from Jesus to the apostles to the early church and the church, if you look at the Indian church history, you will see that many churches had to go through persecution in order for us to enjoy the religious freedom or the, or the freedom to express our faith. Many people have gone through persecution. And right now, if you turn on the TV, you see that many nations are being persecuted. There's an organization called Open Door which puts out a lot of statistics on the list of top 50 nations that is being persecuted in which Afghanistan is actually on the top for religious persecution. And, and the interesting thing of what is happening in the nation of Afghanistan right now is that, is that it's not a different religion that is being persecuted, it's it's the same religious people persecuting their own because of their extremist values. And as a church, it is heartbreaking, you know, when we watch the news. I don't know how many of you got to see it. And, and it really, really, really broke my heart to see even children being passed down over barbed wires in borders so that the parents are ready to die, but they want the next generation to be passed on to have hope. 
just across the wall and they're throwing little babies. There were pictures all over the news where soldiers who were carrying guns, you know, and weapons are now holding babies on the other side of the wall and, and they're taking care of them, feeding them, looking after the children. What is happening in that part of the world, it's going to affect the entire world. The history of that nation and what is happening right now is going to be a trigger point for various things that is going to affect the entire world. But as a church, how are we responding? Do we even know how to pray for this? Do we even know how to pray for the persecuted? So this morning, I want to teach the church how to pray for the persecuted. And I want to teach you seven things on how to pray for the persecuted. Here's number one. Let's go to Mark chapter 13, verse 9 to 11, because Jesus is talking about persecution. He's talking about <clears throat> to his disciples how to respond to persecution. Mark chapter 13, verse 9 to 11, uh, it says, You must be on your guard. You will be handed over to the local councils and flogged in the synagogues. On account of me, you will stand before governors and kings as witnesses to them. Verse 10, it says, And the gospel must first be preached to all nations. Whenever you are arrested and brought to trial, do not worry beforehand about what to say. Just say whatever is given to you at that time. For it is not you that is speaking, but it is the Holy Spirit. The first thing I encourage as a church that we pray for the ones who are being persecuted, that the Holy Spirit will give them the right words to say. The first level in persecution is that you get captured. You are captured by authorities. You are captured by the persecutors and you are questioned, you are interrogated. And the first thing that we need to pray is that the Lord will give them, the Holy Spirit will give them the right words to say. As it says in Mark chapter 13, you know, it is, is, it is said that don't pre-prepare. You know, don't try to, try to uh, you know, work your way through the persecution. Just go and stand there and the Holy Spirit will open your mouth. And soon we are going to go into Acts, the book of Acts, where you see that Paul is being constantly, you know, you, you see through, uh, through the epistles that Paul has been uh, constantly arrested and he's constantly put in front of the authority and he is speaking, being filled in the Holy Spirit. He's speaking to the authorities. Number two, Acts chapter 4, verse 1 to 15. You see that Peter and John is being arrested in Acts chapter 4. And you will see that, 
what is happening is that they are standing addressing in front of the Sanhedrin's and it says that in verse 5 it says and it came to pass on the next day that the rulers elders and scribes as well as Annas the high priest Caiaphas John and Alexander and as many were of the family of the high priest were gathered together at Jerusalem and when they had set them in the midst they asked by what power or by what name have you done this then Peter listen to this then Peter filled with the Holy Spirit said to them rulers of the people and elders of Israel if if we this day are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man by what means he has been made well basically they've been arrested because they performed a healing and they think that the healing comes from Peter and John but it's actually from the authority in the name of Jesus Christ so they are arrested for using the authority of the name of Jesus verse 10 they say let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth whom you crucified whom God raised from the dead by him this man stands here before you whole this is the stone which was rejected by you the builders which have become the chief cornerstone nor is there salvation in any other for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved here is peter and john standing in front of the authorities knowing that they will be persecuted because they were put in jail overnight and the next day morning they are in front of the council and here they are proclaiming with conviction the name that is above every other name church this is what we need to pray when you pray for the persecuted, number one, pray that the Holy Spirit will give them the right words. Number two, pray that they will be strong in their convictions. Pray that they will be strong in their conviction of who Jesus is. Pray that they will be strong in the conviction of how real God is. And, I, and my question to church, to our church, to everybody who are gathered here uh, for our service how strong is your conviction you might not be going through persecution like the people who are going through in other nations but when god allows crisis into your life when god allows problems to come into your life when you feel like you're being persecuted by some of your own thoughts some of your own problems how strong is your conviction about jesus are you ready to give up on Jesus? Are you ready to give up on the name that saved your life and transformed you completely? Or are you ready to stand boldly and say, look at Peter. He's being filled by the Holy Spirit and he's pointing at them and telling them, you have no authority to judge us because we come under the authority of the name of Jesus and you people have no authority to question that the authority that is above every other name and i'm telling you church no authority in this world including the president of any nation has they have no power to question the authority that we have through god's word and that we have by the name of our lord jesus christ if you all agree with me give me a thumbs up let me see a thumbs up let me see a thumbs up. Amen. Amen. 
Nobody has the authority to question that. And when we go through that crisis, are we ready to boldly proclaim and be strong in the conviction? So pray for the ones who are persecuted that they will be strong in their convictions. Church, here's the third thing. If you look at Acts chapter 23, in Acts chapter 23, we see the same thing happening again. But this time, it's Paul. And Paul is standing there in front of the same group of Sanhedrin's, the authorities. And there is a plot that is happening against Paul. And he's been arrested. He's again put in jail. And again, he's been questioned. And this time, you know, they're saying Paul again speaks with authority to the rulers. And he's, he's there you know, he confuses them. He, he, he brings a, a confusion between Sadducees and Pharisees in how they are divided by their doctrines and they are divided by what they believe. And now they are fighting, among, fighting amongst each other. And the Lord speaks to Paul and says, Great, well done what you have done. Now you're going to do the same in Rome. Then you're going to go to Felix. Then you're going to go to the next town. So God keeps giving Paul the vision of what he's going to go through. A vision of his future ministry. The third thing that we need to do for pray for those who are persecuted is that pray for assurance of their future. It is easy for the ones who are being persecuted to give up. And the reason that they easily give up is that they prepare themselves that, that death is imminent. And it's true. It's real. But at the same time, when you allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you, you can sense that God still has a future for them in the midst of persecution. I don't know how many of you have read this book called Heavenly Man, who is a Chinese missionary being persecuted constantly and has been thrown into prison many times, beaten in every single possible way, has gone through physical pain, but in it all, you know, he used to say this in his book, even Bonhoeffer says this, you know, he would always imagine in that cell room that he is talking to thousands and two thousands of people. He would always imagine the freedom that he is going to get so that he would go out and speak to many people of how he has been persecuted, how the Lord came to him and spoke to him in a vision, how he is going to change his future and he would dream about it, vision about it, imagine about it, and he would practice it in his prison bed. Can you imagine that? He would, he would practice that. And later on, he came out, he spoke to thousands of people, wrote a book called Heavenly Man, and there's so many things that God has done through him. You know, when you understand the vision for the future, even through persecution, even through suffering, you look forward to what God has next. Amen? Pray that they will have the assurance of their future. Are you writing this down, church? You're not going to remember it, even if I ask you the first and the second point. You'll... It's gone. So write it down. Write it down. Church, this is a call. This is an invitation at this 
time of the hour. It is so important. Of We are learning how to pray for the persecuted. In the next coming weeks, we are soon going to hear even worse things in the media. And church, we need to pray. So number one, pray that the Holy Spirit will give them the right words to say. Number two, pray that they will be strong in their convictions. Number three, pray that they will have the assurance of their future. Here's number four, Philippians chapter one, verse 14. And it says, and because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dared all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. And here is the Philippian church being strengthened, knowing that their leader is in prison, is in chain, and they started praying more. They started growing more spiritually. They started proclaiming the good news even more and more and more without fear. The fourth thing that we need to pray is that pray that the church will become more stronger and multiply faster. Pray that the church will become stronger and multiply faster through the times of persecution. If you look at the believers in Philippi, you know, and they are in this hour of need and they are looking for, you know, desperately looking for God to do something and they are looking for encouragement. But at the same time, they did not stop because what they did was that they went out and preached the gospel without fear. Can we pray for the ones who are being persecuted? That they will also do the same. That they will not give up because of persecution. But, but the, the, the gospel fire, the gospel fire will catch on so rapidly and many people will be saved. And many people will be saved. Can we do that? Can we pray that prayer? Can we pray that prayer that the church will grow and multiply? I heard the story of once a Chinese missionary who was about to be arrested while he was conducting one of these underground churches. And while the underground church was going on and these authorities barged into the house and they are about to arrest him. Now for this missionary, this arrest is not the first time. He's been arrested many times. So as this time the officials came, he was so casual, he was so chilled out. He said, guys, I'm in the middle of prayer and I know you're here because I'm conducting my prayers and you're here to arrest me. But anyway, you're going to take me. So can I just finish what I'm doing and I'll come with you happily. So the authorities decide to sit down. So as he's leading the prayer, he then started praying for the ones who have come to arrest. He started praying for their children. He started praying for their families that the Lord will bless them these authorities were feeling a little awkward like you know why is this guy blessing us while we are about to take him to torture and then after doing that he said he looked at the authorities and said i actually owe you a big thanks and the authorities were very confused they're like why do you owe us a big thanks because he looked at them and said the last time you arrest me the first time you arrest me, my church was in a lot of fear. But when the second time you arrest me, my church actually doubled. 
And the third time you arrest me, my church has actually tripled. Now it's the fourth time you're going to arrest me. And I'm so excited because my church is going to go four times more. And the authorities were so confused that they had to go back to their higher authorities to discuss the matter and come back to decide whether to arrest him or not. And they never came back. The church can grow during persecution. If the believers can stand together, be affirmed, and know that Jesus is still in control, and let the chains not stop them from preaching the gospel, but make them preach the gospel even more. Number five, pray that the persecuted would know the hope that God gives them. Pray that the persecuted people will know, the church will know, the hope that God has for their rights. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 18, it says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. The riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be in, enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. The riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. The more and more they are persecuted, the more and more they are suffering for Jesus, the more and more God's glory is being added into their life as an inheritance, as a blessing. How many of you have seen that um, the old weighing scale that they use uh, in the markets, you know, they hold it like this and they keep adding the weight as, as much as it matches. Just imagine that, that God is holding that weighing scale and the more and more the persecutors add suffering into the church, suffering into the persecuted people, into the believers, into the body of Christ, the more and more God is also like, okay, you're adding that, I'm going to add my glory into their life. I'm going to add my blessing. I'm going to add my inheritance. I'm going to add, you know, everything that the kingdom belongs for them. So I'm going to keep adding into their lives. In fact, the glory will keep going more. So the more of God's glory is being revealed into their lives, the suffering, even though it doesn't reduce, it feels light. Because his glory is always greater than the suffering that this world can give us. Amen? Amen? If you all agree with me, give me a thumbs up or amen. That's, that's what God promises us. So if you're going through crisis in your life as well, because of his name, I'm not talking about self-inflicted crisis. I'm not talking about crisis that we have created for us because of lack of wisdom. If you are going through crisis because of the name of Jesus, because you've been preaching his gospel, because of his sake, then you will see God's glory being revealed into your life. Here's the sixth thing. Pray. That they will keep their eyes on Jesus, persevere in their faith, and not grow weary or lose their heart. 
pray that the persecuted church, the persecuted people, will keep their eyes fixed on Jesus. They will persevere in their faith, that they will not give up in their faith, that they will not become tired. Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16 to 18, it says that, Therefore we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For a light and momentary trouble, troubles are achieving for us eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Let us pray that as people are being persecuted, they will see the eternal glory that the Lord has for their life. That they will see the eternal blessing that the Lord has for them. That they will know that they can fix their eyes on Jesus and not take it away from him. That in the midst of it all, they will never betray Jesus. They will know, they will not grow weary and tired, but they will stand strong for the Lord. And church, that principle applies to us as well. We need to not become tired. Don't let these momentary troubles of your life to stop you. Don't let it stop you. You might have received a bad news. You might have, you know, uh, had some disappointment because the outcome was not what you expected. You've been trying for something and you just didn't get it. Whatever it is, don't give up. Don't let that drive your faith. Don't let that determine your spiritual life. Don't let that separate you from the relationship that you have with Jesus because many of us we give up at these moments we let these moments determine how we live for Jesus but don't grow weary don't become tired because whatever that we are facing in this life whatever that we think it's a great thing that we are achieving in this world it's all temporary nothing is eternal when we die, when we move on, when we pass on, you know, nobody is even going to, you know, send those awards with you or your financial status with you or the car with you or, or the security that you have or the house that you live in. Nobody's going to do that. It is gone. It's temporary. It's just here for the world. But what we have is eternal. So seek the things that are eternal in your life. Can we change our schedules? Can we change our lifestyle where we will invest more time into things that are eternal and not temporary? Amen. Amen. You see people when they prepare for exams or jobs and you see there's a, there's a difference when they go for something that is permanent. There's a difference, like, right? If you're attending interview for something that's like a temporary job or if you're going to just work for six months and you know that they're going to send you out of, uh, once that is done and it's a temporary position, you know, you don't take that too seriously. But when you apply for a government job and you know it's like, you know, it's your future is secure, you know, and that it's, that's going to give you everything and, and, and you're kind of like then the way you prepare, the way you think about it, the way you work for it, everything changes. 
And in our spiritual life, our walk with God, it's, it's, it's a permanent thing. Whenever you share the gospel to somebody, you know, you have sown the seed of the gospel out there. It's not going to change. It's a permanent thing. It's a permanent investment. And what we all need to do is to spend more time on the things that are eternal, things that are permanent, and less time on things that are temporary in this world. But all of us look at our, our schedule every day. Look at what we are doing every day. About 90% of our time is spent on things that is just going to be temporary. That is just going to expire. And we have very less time for the one who is eternal. For the things that are going to be eternal for our lives. Can we change that? Can we change that for our lives personally? Can we pray for the ones who are persecuted that they will also understand that as they keep their eyes fixed on Jesus, the one who is eternal has their life under control. And finally, the seventh point, let us pray for the ones who are actually persecuting. Pray for the transformation of the persecutors. The authorities pray for their salvation. Pray for the ones who are actually persecuting, like that they will have a Saul to Paul experience. That they will have an encounter with Jesus. That they will have a transformation. You know, you see all across the, uh, the epistle that Paul has written, the letters that he's written to the churches, he keeps talking about persecution from a very um, experience you know, very highly experienced point of view because he's, he's gone through persecution and he's also been a persecutor once. And imagine arresting Paul who has been the persecutor before, who's been on the other side of the, of the table and he's sitting there like, huh, you want to persecute me? I've done this before and I know what you are trying to do. And, and you see that Paul's conviction has been much, much stronger. And, and he built and planted so many churches. He raised the next generation of Timothys and leaders who would continue to spread the gospel after him. And, and you see that all these epistles are written with so much conviction that it has actually become our guide to lead and fellowship as a church. And it was possible because of his conviction. It was also possible because God touched him. And there was a transformative experience in his life. Not just a conversion, but a transformation in his life. Can we pray for the ones who are persecuting? The persecutors, that they will have a transformation. I remember, I think in one of our prayer services that happens in the evening at 6 p.m., for those who don't attend, I invite you to attend. It's a great time of, of receiving God's word and, and praying together as a church. And this evening also we'll be praying together at 6 p.m. on Zoom. The link is on our website. Please um, join with us. And in one of those prayer services, um, 
uh, every service one of our KCLC students will be sharing God's word and I'm, I don't quite remember, I'm not sure if it's Raglan or somebody else. And we were praying and, and one of the things that as he was sharing was saying that, you know, why don't we, we pray for the ones who are persecuting us? Why don't we pray for the salvation of our political leaders? In fact, we have a lot of, um, you know, bitterness against a certain party in our country and a certain, uh, you know, uh, 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 man in our, in our nation who's a leader. And there's a lot of bitterness, especially among Christians. And, 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 and I can openly say that we hate them, right? We, we hate the party. We hate everything that they're doing. Um, and it's not wrong for us to say that because that's the truth. But how can you pray with hatred and at the same time pray with burden for somebody's salvation. How can we do that? Is that possible for a church? It's not. So, my question to the church and my encouragement to all of us is that don't hate the person, have burden for the person. For what Jesus said when he was on the cross is that Lord forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. In other words, they don't know who they are persecuting. They think that by breaking the church or breaking the people of God, that they are trying to remove a religion from the face of the earth, but really they are trying to destroy God, and it is absolutely impossible to destroy our almighty Yahweh God. His name is just above every other name. And every single person who is carrying that name, you know, you just, you just can't wipe out the entire world. We all carry his name regardless of, of who we are and what we have done. We all live under his grace. And they are trying because they don't know the truth. They don't know who they're trying to persecute. When, when, when Saul had this experience, he's, you know, God introduced himself as, hey, I'm the one that you've been persecuting. And, and Paul had this voice, you know, heard this voice saying, oh, like, can you imagine that? I thought I was arresting the followers of Jesus. I thought I was going against the church, but I'm actually trying to persecute him, the eternal God. And let us have burden there are certain leaders out there whose names that we don't even like to read in the newspapers, even if you say that so-and-so said that, and you're like, okay, next page. I don't even want to know. That's how much we don't like what they're doing. But, but let's not hate the person. Let's have burden for the ones who are persecuting. And this is the context of our nation. There are different contexts in other Nations, there are so many groups, terrorist groups, who are persecuting. And they do not know what they are doing or who they are persecuting. They think they know. And yes, of course, it makes us angry. It makes us furious. But at the same time, let us not develop hatred. But let us also develop a burden so that they will also have a transformation experience. Imagine if that one leader gets a transformation experience. Everything changes overnight. Overnight, everything changes. And God can do it. God can do it in every state of our nation. 
God can do it in every nation if we as a church carry that burden to pray. So church, I invite you all. We can go through the seven points quickly if that's possible. Number one, pray that the Holy Spirit will give them the right words to say. Number two, pray that they will be strong in their convictions. Number three, pray for the assurance of their future. Number four, pray that the church will become more stronger and multiply faster. Number five, pray that the persecuted would know the hope that God gives. Number six, pray that they will keep their eyes on Jesus, persevere in their faith, and not grow weary or lose their heart. And number seven, pray that there will be a transformation experience for the ones who are persecuting the persecutors. Amen. Church, are you with me? Shall we pray? Shall we pray for the persecuted church? Shall we pray for the persecuted people? And this is how we pray for them. And it's important we pray for them. And, and what we're going to do is, church, I want all of us to commit to this. Praying for the persecuted is a very important thing. And I just don't want you to listen to it. It's like, ah, oh, great, nice sermon, thank you, and move on. We want everybody who can pray every day in these seven points for the ones who are persecuted, whether it's in Afghanistan or any other nation. We're going to spend next 15 days as a church. We are going to commit for the next 15 days. How many of you want to commit for the next 15 days? That you will pray every day for the persecuted church. All right, I see a few hands. I need a next group of people who will pray for the next six months every day for the persecuted church. Hands who want to commit for six months. Six months. I will pray every day for six months for the persecuted church. All right. I want next group of people who will pray for the next 12 months. That is one year for the persecuted church. Every day. Every day. Those who committed for 15 days. Six months and one year. All right. Thank you, church. This is, this is a very serious commitment. And this is an invitation. This is a call to pray for the persecuted. I want to commit you into God's hand as you've made this commitment. And I pray that the Lord will help you to stay strong in this commitment every day. We hope that you are blessed by God's word today. Share it with someone else who you think can also be blessed by this. If you would like to support our ministry financially, you can do so at kings3church.org forward slash give. And we will see you next week with a brand new sermon.